Our Bible reading this evening is from Galatians chapter 6. If you have a church Bible, it's on page 1172. Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 11. The Apostle Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia and is finishing off his letter. See what large letters are used as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Great, well let's start, shall we, with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul writing 2,000 years ago to that church in Galatia. Father, we pray that as we think about your word tonight, you would open our eyes that we may see wonderful things out of your word. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. The soldiers had discovered their illegal Bible study. As the pastor was reading from the Bible, men with guns suddenly broke into the home, terrorising the believers who had gathered to worship. They shouted insults and threatened to kill the Christians. The leading officer pointed his gun at the pastor's head. Hand me your Bible, he demanded. Reluctantly, the pastor handed over his Bible, his prized possession. The guard threw the Bible to the floor. He glared at the small congregation. We will let you go, but first you must spit on this book of lies. Anyone who refuses will be shot. The soldier pointed his gun at one of the men. You first. The man slowly got up and knelt down by the Bible. Reluctantly, he spat on it, praying, Father, please forgive me. He stood up and walked to the door. The soldier stood back and allowed him to leave. Okay, you, the soldier said, nudging the woman forward. In tears, she could barely do what he demanded. She spat only a little, but it was enough. 
she too was allowed to leave. Quietly, a young girl came forward. Overcome with love for her Lord, she knelt down and picked up the Bible. She wiped off the spit with her dress. What have they done to your word? Please forgive them, she prayed. The soldier put his pistol to her head and pulled the trigger. What would we have done in their situation? Now I like to think that as your curate, as, uh, as your, one of your ministers here, I would have led the way in, in showing honour to God. Not spitting. But in the moment, with thoughts of family, and all the good work for the gospel that I still want to do, in that situation, I just don't know. God have mercy on us all. But there is a way that we can be so transformed by a life-changing encounter with God's grace that we go from people who are scared of standing up for God to people who, as Paul says in verse 14, boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that 16-year-old girl was doing about 40 years ago in Asia. Boasting in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Choosing to honour Jesus above everything, even if it meant her death. And Paul is going to show us in this passage how we can be like that as well. But firstly, he wants the church to know, and I want all of you to know, that we're listening. So look down in your Bibles at verse 11 and see what he says. Paul writes, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Now, there'd be no surprises for seeing that in our Bibles it looks all the same. It's probably about, I don't know, that's about a verse, that's about a size 11 font, probably, fairly single spaced. It looks the same, doesn't it? But in the original manuscript that Paul was writing to this church, he is saying, look at my large handwriting I'm using. What Paul had probably been doing up to this point is sort of narrating what he wanted to say to someone who would then be writing it down, like a secretary. But now he picks up the pen so that you pay attention. This is in bold. This is caps lock on and double underlined. What I'm about to write to you, you need to pay attention to. Because if we want to be a people who boast in the cross alone, we need to start with a few things. And the first thing we need to start with is realising that actually, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't want to. We don't want to. And Paul tells us the two reasons why, actually, naturally, we don't want to boast in the cross and why that's a problem. Well, the first is in verse 12. If you close your Bibles, please do open them up again. Galatians 6 and uh, look at verse 12. He writes, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Paul has been warning the church about how they have drifted off 
to start following these false teachers that are coming into their church. These people say, it's no good just believing in Jesus. You need other stuff as well. For that church, you need all of the the old Jewish law as well. But Paul says, no, no, they're wrong. And he shows us how they're wrong by pointing out their messed up motivation. You see, first it's because they are scared. These people who are teaching the church in Galatia are scared. They're scared of persecution. Paul says that's the only reason they're doing this, is to avoid persecution. But where would this persecution come from? Well, in Paul's day, these are the people who believe that the freedoms that Christians have are a bad thing. The freedoms that Christians have are a bad thing. Basically, that trusting Jesus is all that it takes to be God's chosen son or daughter isn't enough. That's not good. No, you need circumcision as well. And you need ritual washings. Or even maybe you need animal sacrifice. But the Bible says that Jesus fulfilled all those things. They had a place. They were pointing towards something greater. Something greater has come and now you don't need them anymore. But for these people coming into that church, they hate it. They hate that freedom. Because they know that it means persecution. So instead they go back on their freedom because it, well, it's making them unpopular. And they act in a way that is more concerned with pleasing other people than in pleasing God. And there's such a strong temptation that goes with this. Imagine you are with some friends one evening and the topic of sex or money comes up. And it feels like everyone everywhere is bragging and boasting about this or that. But you don't know which way to turn. There's that part of you that's thinking, yeah, maybe I should be using this as an opportunity to talk about what Jesus says. But that just feels really hard. So much easier to start boasting about yourself on your own experience or your own amount of money or maybe even just to keep quiet and hide away and pretend that no one else exists. It's hard, isn't it? You can see why people are scared of putting their neck on the line. It's because we don't like to be treated differently. We don't like it. But that's just one reason. The second reason we don't like to boast in the cross of Christ is because deep down there is a battle going on. It's this battle with our own self-righteousness, our own sense that, that on our own we're okay. We don't really need God that much. Or if we do, we only need him a bit. And Paul talks about this in verse 13. He says, Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. So not only are these people trying to avoid persecution, but Paul says their ideas, their ideas are so stupid, they don't even work. Think about it. If your whole idea for how you stay good with God is is all about what you're doing and, and trying your hardest to keep God's laws and be a good person and go to church and pray, if that is the thing that you are looking to, to keep you in a relationship with God, even the best effort won't be good enough, will it? 
You see, whether we're trying a little or trying a lot, we will never get there on our own. For example, you may seem to be good in one area, but not in all. So perhaps purity isn't a a problem for you, but anger is. Or perhaps you think to yourself, well, I'm very kind with my money, but at the same time, but I'm not so good with my my time off and, and how I give of myself. You see, we testify to to each other and to ourselves that no one keeps the law perfectly. You see, that's what the church in Galatia had got wrong. That's what they were trying to do on top of faith in Jesus. They were trying to get there their own way. But you see, if anyone could keep God's law perfectly, then there would be no need for Jesus. There would be no need for the Son of God to come and die on a cross and rescue us if we could somehow get there ourselves. It's vital that we understand our kind of our flawed thinking in this area if we are ever going to become people who boast in the cross of Christ alone. Because we need to confess two things to ourselves and to God. Firstly, that we are scared. And secondly, that we are proud. We're scared of persecution and what others might think. And we're proud to admit that we need God as much as we do. If these two things go unchallenged, or or the fact that we're scared and the fact that we're proud, if they go unchallenged, it will make it impossible for us to boast in Christ. We'll be too scared to do it, or we won't feel the need for it. Well, perhaps you're, you're sitting here this evening thinking... This all just sounds a bit too hard. (laughs) This sounds a bit too much. And I want to know, is this really worth it? Well, that 16-year-old girl that I started by talking about would say, yes, it is. The Apostle Paul would say, yes, it is. And thousands of others down history would say, yes, it is worth it. Secondly, Paul tells us, after we've seen why we don't want to boast in the cross... He then tells us why we should. He gives some good reasons why we should be people who want to boast in the cross. And firstly, it's because of victory. The cross tells us that Jesus has won the ultimate victory for us. Look down at the beginning of verse 14. Paul says, and this is, this is a central verse in this passage. Paul says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has won the victory on the cross. And this is what it means to be a Christian, isn't it? It's not that we have a relationship with God because of what we've done, but it's 100% because of what he has done. Not because of us, but because of God. And unlike those other teachers, Paul says here, I don't want to be one of those people who boast in, in how well I've done. How many converts I've made throughout Israel and Asia. How tirelessly I've served the church as an apostle. Those things in terms of securing a relationship with God, they're irrelevant. Yes, they're good things, but they're never going to get you God. Paul says, if there's one thing in the world that I'm going to boast in, it's not going to be me but in the God who has died for me. 
the one who was nailed to a cross for me. He is the only one I can boast in. I wonder if you remember right at the beginning of our series on Galatians, uh, Phil came up with this this illustration of, of tracing where the glory leads. I wonder if you remember it. He was talking about tracing where the glory leads. And, and what he meant is, if, if my salvation is in some part my own efforts, well, then I should get some of the glory, right? I mean, even if it's just 1%, I should get 1% of the glory. But if we contribute nothing, if there's nothing in my hands I bring to God, then he should get all the glory, shouldn't he? That's the first reason we should boast in our cross, in the cross. We need to pray and ask God to open our eyes to that truth. That it's all about his work and it's all about his victory. And secondly, it's because not only does the cross show us God's victory, but also we are individually and as a church transformed by the cross. Look down at the second half of verse 14. Paul says, through which, he's talking about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What is Paul talking about here? Well, what it is, is the effect that the cross has on authentic Christians. People who love and follow Jesus. Think for one moment of a, a 50 foot high wall, so, so at least as high as this church, covered in barbed wire, and it goes infinitely long in that way and infinitely long in that way, and there's no way to cross from one side to the other. Now, on one side is the land of death. Doesn't sound that appealing, does it? It's the land of death. It's people die, people are sad, there is no hope. There's only despair. It's always that kind of horrible, drizzly, grey rain and you're not quite sure if it's going to get wetter or whatever. It's horrible in the land of death. But on the other side, it's beautiful. The skies are always blue. There is no death. There is no sadness or crying or evil or sin. The land of life is wonderful. And the only way to get from the land of death to the land of life is by going through the cross. The cross which is like a bridge between death and life. And once you've gone across it, there is no way back. It is physically impossible to go back to where you once were. And you are no longer the same person who left that land of death and went into that land of life. That's what the cross does. So what does it look like to live that kind of life-transformed life? If we want to be people who are no longer in the land of death, but in the land of life, what does that look like? Well, Paul's been showing us in really practical ways all throughout Galatians what that looks like. It means you get rid of those things that are typifying life, uh, sorry, the land of death. You get rid of those things. Paul talks about it as the things of the flesh or the sarks. They are no longer a part of the land that you live in. You are not that person anymore. They have been crucified to you and you have been crucified to them. It couldn't get any clearer. And this is why we can boast 
on the cross because it has transformed us. For all of those who have moved from death to life, it has transformed you. But how do we actually do this? And can we do it? Well, yes, we can. And Paul shows us how. Four things Paul tells us about how we can boast in the cross. And firstly, it's got to begin with our new creation and living out of that, living out of our new creation. Look at verse 15. Paul says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Now, did anyone do a sort of a a comical double take when you read that bit? Circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't mean anything? Paul, I thought you'd just been spending a whole letter telling us how important it is not to fall into the pressure of being circumcised. Now you're saying it's not important? Has Paul changed his mind? No. You see, all along the way he says it's not not the problem of, of, of cutting off a bit of skin. Actually, the problem comes from what you are trying to achieve. And as he said just now, it's, it's by trying to avoid persecution or by being proud, by boasting in yourself. He said, no, it doesn't matter. All that's important is the new creation. You might say, it's what's on the inside that counts. Not that you try and smarten yourself up on the outside, but on the inside you start by knowing And this is the first way we can be boasting, by knowing that we are sinners saved by grace. At that point, Paul says something radical happens in you. He says elsewhere that the old is gone and the new has come. The new creation, the new you. Do you want to be someone who boasts in the cross of Christ alone? I do. It has to start with our new creation, our new identity. Paul says once you know this, you'll experience this state of belonging to God. Personally belonging to God. Verse 16. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. Now that last little bit there to the Israel of God is a really unusual phrase for the New Testament. It doesn't really pop up anywhere else. But what it means is that those who trust in Christ are the people of God. Israel, who he's talking about here, were God's chosen people in the Old Testament who he chose for himself. His own possession. Not because of anything spectacular about them. Quite the opposite. He said to them, you will be my people and I will be your God. He chose them. He saved them and brought them out from slavery. He led them. He provided for them. He loved them and he made his home to be with them. That is now us. Chosen, saved, led, provided for, loved. And God makes his home to be in us by his spirit. God's chosen, saved people. And the result, Paul says, is peace. Don't you want that? The world is craving peace. But you can only experience real peace through trusting in the cross of Christ. 
and what it has achieved for you. I wonder this evening, have you taken hold of that peace? Do you realise that it's yours to take hold of because of what Christ did for you on the cross? Paul says, peace and mercy to those who follow that rule. Which means we have the same peace and mercy that Paul had when he faced suffering. So let's look at that suffering he talks about. Verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Now it sounds a little bit like Paul is having a go, doesn't it? He's like, oh, I've written to you six chapters. I've had enough. Just leave me alone now. The phone's on answer phone. But actually, I don't think Paul is saying that. Paul went through loads of suffering and torment and pain and imprisonment because he wouldn't back down from boasting in the cross. And he could do that because of the peace of God that was in his heart. He went through tremendous suffering. And just like the false teachers, which were requiring the people in the church to have these physical marks on their bodies, so that they wouldn't get into trouble, wouldn't get persecuted. On the other side, Paul has received different marks on his body, but because he wouldn't cave in. He wouldn't stop boasting in the cross of Christ alone. And the Bible is very open about this fact. It tells us that there will frequently be trouble for the people who boast in Jesus. 2,000 years have passed, yet people are still being beaten and killed because they belong to God. Being a Christian is not easy. I remember being at a baptism once and the guy was saying, I'm so excited now because now I know that life is going to get so much easier. (laughs) You have no idea. It is hard, isn't it? It is hard being a follower of Jesus and boasting in the cross. So how are you going to do it? How are we going to do that? Well, the answer is by his grace. We've been singing about that. We've been thinking about it. It's by his grace. Look at verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Now, in one sense, Paul's just doing what he does in most of his letters. He's kind of signing off. But actually, notice that second word, grace. That's relevant because grace is what the whole letter to the Galatians has all been about. God's total forgiveness and power for all those who are in Christ. God's grace. And we need this grace if we are going to be people who have any chance of boasting in Christ when it's easy and when it's hard. Whether you're 16 and finding it hard to be a Christian at school with your friends, there is grace. Or whether you're older and you find it hard to show holiness or kindness or love in your marriage or in your singleness. There is grace. We're all the same. We don't outgrow our need for grace. Each day we need it. And each day God is willing and able to give us that grace. And the guarantee to his commitment to give us grace is what? It's the cross. That's his guarantee of his promise to us to give us his grace. 
for us to be a people who boast in the cross of Christ alone like Paul did, we must recognise our fear of how others may treat us and our own pride that gets in the way. But then we see such beauty in the cross. His victory over death and sin and our transformation. We are changed. We go from people who are in the kingdom of death to people who are in the kingdom of life. So as his new creations, we can face whatever comes at us because the cross gives us peace and promises us grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, nothing in our hands we bring, but only to the cross we cling. Lord, we thank you for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, that it shows his victory over death and sin, and by it we are saved and we are renewed. Lord, is it a hard thing? We are people who are scared, we are people who are proud. And we need your work of grace to be changing those things in our hearts and our lives so that we would be people who are bold. We would be people who boast in the Christ alone. Lord, day by day, help us to, to see that all you have done in the cross, all you have done for us, and we pray that we would give you all the glory. Amen.